Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone. I am Brett Ridgway, and I want to welcome you to another edition of the Spotlight on Speaking show. And uh, according to Publishers Weekly, my guest today, David Hancock, is the most recognized hybrid publisher. He's a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author and the founder of Morgan James Publishing. NASDAQ cites David as one of the world's most prestigious business leaders and calls him the future of publishing. Well, I'd say the future is now, then. Right. As, founder, as founder of Morgan James Publishing, David was selected for Fast Company Magazine's Fast 50 for his leadership, creative thinking, significant accomplishments, and significant impact on the industry over the last 20 years. David has authored 19 books. Gosh, I feel like such an underachiever. I've only done eight. But his 19 books include Guerrilla Marketing for Writers, The Entrepreneurial Author, Performance-Driven Thinking, and Performance-Driven Giving, Driven Giving, just to name a few. David Hancock, my friend, welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Oh, uh, Brett, man, what a privilege it is to be here with you today. And a uh, funny little side story, you and I met just after, just barely after starting Morgan James. So it's, I count it a privilege to know you as long as we have the dear friend and... Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here, brother. Yeah, I could. I couldn't remember whether you had already started the company or were just thinking about the company at the time. But I mean, we're going back to what two thousand three or whatever. You know, big seminars, and we crossed paths many times over the years. David yeah. has actually published the majority of, of my books through Morgan James Publishing, and here's a sneak peek at the one coming out on my website in March called "How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business." So, looking forward to working with David's team again on that particular book. But, uh, David, let's, let's dive right into it if you can. So the first thing I'd like you to do, if you could, is, I mean, we used a phrase in your introduction called hybrid publisher. And obviously, I think speakers should be authors without a doubt. But the phrase hybrid publisher may be something that they're not familiar with. So would you define that? Give, give us the Webster Dictionary definition for podcast of hybrid publisher. Oh, I certainly can. And that really officially is still being defined. They keep making some tweaks to it. But when it was first announced that we were the first hybrid publisher, there wasn't any before. So in my conversations with Publishers Weekly, it was just the blend of what we were doing as a publisher. And that still is pretty much typical today. Some things have changed, so we can talk about that. Uh, but really hybrid in publishing means um, that a publisher has the look and feel and smell of a traditional publisher some exclusivity, some, you know, um, some credentials on whether or not which books to accept, which books not to accept. Um, 
paying royalties and paying for print and paying for distribution on the publisher side, paying advances, things like that. The hybrid side of that, if you will, is where the author, and this is the brilliant, exciting part, where the author is involved in the process, making decisions together with the author. And a lot of your speakers are going to love this. The authors maintain control and ownership of their intellectual property. So they can go do their speaking gigs, can do create those other products, those other services. Because when I first started down my publishing path in the 90s, I had to get permission. And I even had to get my PowerPoint approved for me to speak on the books that I had published with traditional publishers. They're a little more lax now, but they still, they buy uh, with a loan against your future earnings in the form of an advance, uh, they buy your intellectual property and they do with it as they please. And they don't, you know, you don't own it anymore. So you have to work within those parameters. Whereas a hybrid, you know, the best hybrids, you know, have that bookstore distribution, have that credibility, have that opportunity, but you're still involved. You still own everything. You make decisions together. So let's talk about your speaking journey a little bit, David, because I, if I recall correctly, you came out of the banking industry. So were you doing speaking before you became a book publisher and, and talk about book publishing things? I was. In fact, I started writing books in the in the mid-90s. I didn't do any speaking until after my book. There's, well, there's one really cool fact about being a speaker is typically you can charge one thing and get certain doors open without a book. But as soon as you have a book in your hand, um, your speaking fees should increase. The doors you should be able to open should increase in, as well as the media opportunity to talk about you should increase. But I, I was able to leverage the power of the book to create speaking opportunities. Now, even though I had challenges with my publisher and them owning the intellectual property, I still worked within those challenges and had a significant business as a speaker. It certainly helped me sell more books. So I like to say there are, in my mind, David, three types of speakers. One is your keynote speaker that we're all familiar with. Secondly is your platform seller. And then yeah. those first two categories, these are people that consider themselves, by and large, professional speakers. Right. The third category, third category is the business owner who is using speaking as a marketing tool for their core business, but they're not necessarily directly selling from the platform. So have you played in all those arenas? And, and if you have one that you like any better than the other, what which one would it be and why? Oh, I tell you what, I have played uh, at least in the first two arenas where I've been paid you know, to do a keynote and I've also been able to sell from stage. Um, I do the latter better, I think. I think with the opportunity to to sell something from stage. Now, back in my early days, I had products to sell today. I don't, you know, but uh, uh, I, I can tell you the fees and the earnings I made from speaking, from selling from stage were 10 times my speaking, my regular keynote speaking fee. So I'm a huge fan of that opportunity. Of course, as you know, you know, good quality speaker still needs to deliver whether they buy anything or not. They need to go away educated, encouraged, inspired, and maybe even entertained, period. The fact that you have something to sell that follow on that take this relationship further or do it yourself or do it for you kind of scenario is definitely a great value add. And you can make a killing in a good way, you know, on, on that side. So I, I like that. My Many, many examples of that, though I will take, you know, somebody pays me a decent figure just to come speak for 90 minutes. I'll do that too, but I prefer, you know, being able to sell from stage. So You've been, to the best of my knowledge, using speaking as a platform building exercise for Morgan James Publishing almost or since its inception or whatever. So how have you leveraged the speaking opportunities to build that brand? It's about the awareness um, and, and being able to, to get introduced to the right people. And a great way to do it is to, to either be on a panel or be you know asked to speak for a short bit. 
Um, so leveraging that, just like you mentioned, our early days with big seminar, man, I was so wet behind the ears. It was amazing that I could get anything done. But uh, yeah, I had some friends like you and Armin who had faith in me and knew that we had something going on good. So when Armin would bring me up on stage to share uh, about publishing, you know, that brand awareness was huge. Uh, and then participating and staying around, this is another little side side note you end up may be talking about, but uh, I I can't stand it when a speaker just arrives five minutes before the talk and leaves five minutes after the talk. I think the best opportunity to build the brand, the awareness and future gigs is by participating in the entire event. <laughs> That's how I built my brand. You know, in the first day, nobody knew who I was. I'd make some great connections. I would be announced as one of the speakers or the founder of Morgan James. And the next two days was crazy big opportunity days. It was wonderful. Well, I agree wholeheartedly, David. I mean, one of my biggest pet peeves by far in the speaking industry is the hit and run speaker. So I, I salute you, sir. So, <laughs> you know, so as, as a branding exercise, as a business building tool, what are maybe your three biggest keys to success as a speaker? What has, what has enabled you to do what you've been able to do from the platform and how would you, what would you recommend to others to pursue? So I think it's all about relationships and connection and a little bit of humor. You know, obviously humor can get in the way of some things, but if people can connect with you, feel like they they can get to know you, either perceived or or really get to know you, I think that's where the big value comes. Uh, they feel like that they can trust you, they can love you, that you are the right person saying the right thing at the right time. And if you can be memorable with good quality content, but also also with a little bit of light air, little humor, and I think that'd be great. Those are the things that I leveraged over the years. But getting to know them both before you go on stage and deepening those relationships after you go on stage, those are key. It's how you take that further. And then from a classic guerrilla marketing, you know, tactic is 68% of all businesses lost due to apathy after that first connection. So follow up with those relationships, follow up with those opportunities, staying connected to people who even perceivably may not be somebody you think that could get you someplace. I, I can't I can't tell you the times that I've been invited to come speak at some significant platforms from just a, 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 a light connection I had at an event that ended up turning out to be very profitable. But I followed up with them and I, I let them know that, uh, you know, I, I was the person I was perceived to be from stage. So I agree that relationships are critical to business success. And, you know, whether it's a speaker, or an author, or, you know, your damn local chiropractor. I mean, relationships are critical. So, I mean, you mentioned the follow-up is, is the key to, you know, to the sauce. So what are some uh, follow-up tactics or relationship building tools, maybe specifically that you've used over the years to forge those relationships ahead, move them ahead? Yeah. So I am, um, I may not be best at it, but I know some of the tools that really work for me when I can do them effectively. The, the key to that is just do something. Um, even if you get behind or if you forget or you do it late, you still need to follow up with them. So I think the foundation is most important, making sure you connect with them in person so that they remember who you are. So that when you finally get a chance to send them an email saying, hey, it was so great meeting you. You know, here's the thing I promised to send you the resource or whatnot, or here's my contact information. Let's stay in connection. And today was obviously social media. You should follow your fans as much as they should follow you, I, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if you can do something offline, like sending them something physically, send them an autographed copy of your book would be great if they didn't get one or if it's you know, the special connections, of course, uh, or sending them a handwritten note. Uh, there's technology that makes handwritten notes and just be sent out really, really easy. One thing that I've done over the years is I created my own handwritten font so I can spit out a letter and sign it in about two seconds. Yeah. In writing is uh, 
I'm say I should have been a doctor. <laughs> I'll send out a nice letter and mail it to him. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of, a lot of, you know, good comments from that, but just something different than everybody else. But that follow-up is definitely key. But those right, are so do Dr. Hancock, what other keys to success might you suggest for an aspiring speaker? Um, continue to practice your trade. So obviously we all want to be on the big platforms. We all want to get paid the big bucks, but I still speak at the local university for a, a, a tiny honorarium to keep my, my, uh, my talents, you know, in check, stay connected to the space. You definitely need to make sure that you're learning all the new things that are in your space because you'll be irrelevant really fast, especially with, with the internet. Uh, people can just debunk you really, really quick. So if you got to stay on top of your trade. So even if you've been retired from the, the topic you're speaking of for years, make sure you're on top of it. Your product knowledge, your knowledge in the space uh, will be you know, one of your most effective things, uh, but continue to practice. Uh, de and definitely have your speaking reel on your website. People need to know that you're speaking. People want to know how they're going to perceive you to be as a speaker. So have a couple of samples of your speaking on your website so they can kind of see the dynamics. Great from a sales perspective too, because okay. it wants to be your first booking or perceivably your first booking. All right. So great advice, David. I do have a couple other questions I wish to ask you. But before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to breadridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spotlight on Speaking Show with my guest this week, David Hancock, founder of Morgan James Publishing. And David, this is probably my favorite question to ask my guest. And I'm going to ask you to, you know, bear your soul a little bit here and, and maybe embarrass yourself in public. And that, that's by sharing a, a mistake or two maybe you've made as a speaker along the way that you would highly advise aspiring speakers not to make. Oh, I, I tell you what, my, my biggest challenge is when I get excited, I speak really fast. So it's, it's it, for me, it's a it's a constant. I may be doing it right now. It's, you know, it's, it's a constant battle for me. Oh, I know, right? It's a, <laughs> But that, that's probably the biggest mistake because I'll get so excited and I'll speak too fast that I lose some of the audience in that, uh, you know, that moment. And especially when I, when I just naturally am funny, this is a, hopefully an opportunity for you to laugh. Sometimes my, my funniness kind of gets lost because it was too quick and nobody could hear it. So that's probably the biggest mistake. I haven't fallen off stage yet. We, you and I both have had friends who've fallen off stage. I haven't taken off the, uh, um, you know, the, the mic and sling it across the room. We've had friends do that too um, by accident. But uh, for me, it's always been uh, getting too excited uh, and, and and losing people along the way. So it's breathe. You can be excited, but you've got to just make sure people understand you. But it's a constant battle, brother. So that's my yeah. biggest. And I've had speaker training, but it's, it's who I am. You know, you are who you are, right? That's right. All right. So... Before we get away from the interview today, David, I want to give you an opportunity to tell people a little bit more about how to get into your world if they are interested in doing such. Uh, well, I'm honored for that. I appreciate that. So I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, as founder of Morgan James Publishing, you can find me on uh, all the social medias, either at uh, Morgan James or Morgan James Pub, or even at David Hancock on, on Twitter or Instagram. Um, I'd say if anybody wanted to get to know me, I'm easy to find. You can even go to chatwithdavid.com and just book a time just to pick my brain. I'd be honored to do that for, for your buddies. 
Uh, and uh, I look forward to it, but that's uh, that's pretty much it. I'm pretty accessible. Uh, I have an amazing team here at the publishing house. It gives me the opportunity to be able to have time to go speak, but also gives me the opportunity to to do calls during the day with people like you and others in your audience that I have to, that I have the ability because I I leave pretty much every day with a zero inbox because the team is so amazing. Well, they do have a fantastic team at Morgan James, and it's a pleasure always to work with them. And David, I so appreciate you being here today. Now, I'm, you've been to hundreds of events probably over the last. 20 years so i mean you talk about your mistake of occasionally talking too fast and i battle that myself also so i can relate to that entirely but because you've been to hundreds of events i'm sure you've seen something that another speaker did that just left you shaking your head it's like why in the hell would they do that so (laughs) so so, so give me give me a secondary uh, mistake that you know you can't attribute to yourself but maybe you've witnessed that don't do it yeah, absolutely. And that's an easy one. Um, so I alluded to it a moment ago. A good speaker who's selling from stage needs to give content that people could use regardless of your ability to sell them anything or their willingness to buy anything. I've seen you know great speakers just get up there and at minute six, they're selling already. They spend 90 minutes selling a product and they teach you nothing. And there's really no value. Certainly some can certainly have some success, but I think that damages the relationship. I think a good speaker needs to give good quality content, really connect with the audience. And then as Seth Godin teaches us, earn the right to sell them something. Don't just come out of the gate trying to sell something. Certainly you need to do it. You need to make money. You want to do it. You want the audience to have access. They need you, but you've got to do it right. There's a delicate balance. You've got to educate, like I said, encourage, inspire, and entertain them for the first hour. Then you can sell them for the last 30 minutes. Well, that's such great advice. And yeah, we've all seen the speaker who... You know, maybe even sold decently from the platform because they got the audience into that euphoric state and they were high briefly. But when they got to thinking about it over time, there really wasn't any content there. It was just a, a pep rally, so to speak. Yeah. So I, I've seen those kind of speakers honestly have over 50% refund rates because that initial euphoria wore off or whatever. So yeah, you got to deliver the goods. You got to deliver solid content because you want those sales to stick. And if it's just about getting them high to make a sale, that does you absolutely zero good if half the people are going to turn around and ask for the money right back. So I have another one for you if you have time. Oh, yeah, we'll make time. And this will be funny coming from a publisher. But if you're one of those speakers that are selling from stage, you definitely need to be the author of, but you don't want to mention your book too much. You don't want to have your book in the back of the room to sell because people may elect to get you for 20 bucks instead of get you for the 2000 that you really need. Uh, as a way of saying, hey, maybe I'll, I'll think about it longer. You want to give them one clear path to you. Now, a, a package that you have could certainly include an autographed copy of your book, uh, but don't sell it by itself because you will be stealing sales from the bigger picture. You'll end up having the book sales, but as we as we authors know, most of us earn more money in, in an opportunity because we wrote the book than we do from the sales. So again, that's a secret sauce that probably most publishers won't tell you. <laughs> but yeah, and that's great advice because an event promoter, you know, they're going to make their money off splitting the sales with their people they put on their platform. And they don't want you selling a $20 book in the back of the room because there's really no money in it for them. And you don't want to sell just a book in the back of the room because if they have the choice of, well, let me test him out for 20 bucks versus buy his $2,000 package, they're going to buy the $20 book to see if they like you. So... That's what, go, high, go, go higher ticket in that scenario without a doubt. So That's right. That's what you had the last 90 minutes to do to get them to fall in love with you. <laughs> yeah. So true. All right. So any, any final words of wisdom, David, before the aspiring speaker out there, before we wrap her up today? 
Absolutely. My best final words of wisdom is to do whatever Brett Ridgway tells you to do. <laughs> oh, God, we're all in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this has been another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show. My sincere, th sincere thanks to my guest today, David Hancock of Morgan James Publishing. Thank you, kind sir, for joining me today. As always, if you haven't had a chance yet, hop on over to brettridgeway.com and pick up a copy of my free special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. And if you'd like to be notified of the release of the new book, which should be available mid-March via my website, just go to buildaprofitablespeakingbusiness.com and leave me your name, email address there so I can reach out to you when the book is definitely available. But that will do it for this week's episode. As always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. And may 2023 be your greatest speaking year yet. Take care. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. And remember to visit our website at SpotlightOnSpeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.